dollars, dirhams, and our two financial cents, our podcast on all things finance and wealth. My name is Anselm Mendes, and we bring this podcast to you from our studios here in Dubai. In the series, we are going to explore uh, topics ranging from financial planning, wealth accumulation, and how to save and accumulate and grow your money. Um, this podcast is brought to you by the Continental Group. Continental uh, is a leading insurance and financial services provider with access that provides you access to over ten thousand different securities to world's uh, leading platforms on the investment side, as well as a wide range of solutions on the insurance side. Uh, our qualified team of advisors is able to work with you to look at your financial uh, lifestyle and provide you with solutions that meet your goals our guest for this episode is mr abhishek datta vice president advisory at the continental group abhishek has been uh, in dubai since 2010 and has been in the financial services profession for over 13 years um, he advises and talks to clients about wealth management investments and various uh, other lines with regard to managing and working on their finances so uh, abhishek welcome to the show thank you thank you for having me anselm and um did i get everything right about what you do is there something uh, that i missed out um i think it's been 14 years now okay. since we are in 2021 but otherwise everything's right um one thing that i like to highlight is my job is to simplify someone's life mm-hmm. and uh, when i say simple a lot of people assume that means it's easy it's not the I'm point sure. is uh, uh while it might seem simple it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of work behind it so that's sure. my primary objective when i deal with anyone any client for that matter sure no that's good to know and uh, like you said uh, while it may sound simple it's not easy and i think that's what a lot of people find uh, with finance especially when they're getting started uh, the concepts uh, seem very simple but uh, like you mentioned discipline and following through are are the more difficult parts of that um right let's get into it i want to take you on a little bit of a journey so let's imagine we are back in 2020 of course uh, the pandemic hit um a lot of people uh, found themselves in a financial situation that was not very pleasant um so i'd like to ask you i mean imagine this is april of uh, 2020 um people are losing the jobs clients are losing uh, or getting pay cuts uh, and finances seemingly becoming uh, tough all across um how did this impact you on a personal level i know you, as a financial planner you would have your view but as a on a, on a personal front how did this impact you what were the thoughts going through your head how did you see this uh, as a as an occurrence and um you know how did you cope with that so um i would like to go exactly a year back and uh, on this very day in 2020 we were celebrating my sister's wedding in bombay and uh, we had a phenomenal time it was uh, we were you know everyone was feeling uh, on top of the world and uh, in a few days everything changed for us uh, on a personal front we had uh, a loss of life in our family and uh, we had to fly back to india and since then uh, we were stuck in india for 6 months so on a I, you know i have realized and it gave me a lot of time to think that it's not just a financial crisis it was kind of a human crisis for a lot of people yep. in the world and uh, finance is an aspect of our lives that we can't ignore now um, when you are away from the safety of your own home and uh, you don't uh, know you have no visibility about what's going to happen next it is challenging it is challenging to stay focused uh, stay motivated um and i think that 
helped me empathize with a lot of my clients um when they were either losing jobs or their businesses were not doing well um they were not ma- able to make payments to different mm. uh, products that they had and um it was challenging for sure um but we tried and uh, kept our goals in mind whenever we made a decision so Correct. i think that helps when you are clear from day one that what is it that you're doing this for now um if for anything in the, in life if you know that this is the destination that you're heading to yep. it motivates you to do better even in a tough circumstance so say sure. if, if even in life like if you were training to for a marathon for example yep it's tough um you know and uh, i've i've tried it i not that i'm a very good uh, runner but okay it's tough but you know those people who succeed are the ones who stay uh, stay the course and they don't uh, let circumstances uh, bring them down constantly okay. so even in uh, financial services i think that is the way to look at it um if you've got that goal in mind um and we can figure out solutions to help our clients sure. in those cases as well and uh, do, uh, do you set your goals at the beginning of the year when do you sort of uh, and what is the sort of process that you go through uh, with with regard to setting your goals and do you do that separately for finance as well as for personal life or how how do you go about that process so you know i i try not to focus too much on numbers but i do have personal goals um i was thinking that day there's something that i want to learn uh, this year is uh, probably how to ride a bike and i and i don't know how to do that and i've been putting this off forever okay. and uh, um and this year i am i'm going to do it mm. but on the on the financial side i think it is good to uh, know your again your destination rather than try and control things that you can't so for mm. example the pandemic made us realize the importance of emergency funds that we need to have yeah. now a lot of people have put numbers to it like 3 months or 6 months of savings that you need to have but in my opinion it should be the amount of money that lets you sleep peacefully at night mm. so if it's 3 months for you if you feel that if you if you get fired from work which yeah. is the worst thing that could happen then if you can find a job in the next 2 3 months then your 3 months of savings are enough correct um whereas if you have a a life threatening illness then you need to have critical illness policy in place correct so these are the kind of goals that uh if we understand and uh, our clients understand we can help them set these in place yep. so that they don't have to worry about these things every day absolutely so a goal based plan is better than uh, a financial plan in my opinion because uh, goals can keep changing and financial situations can keep changing but we have to stay the course and focus on what the destination is rather than the Correct. journey itself and goals tend to be a little more longer term in nature than you know the Correct. the typical finance uh, financial plan possibly yeah that's good and you do you work with your clients as well for uh, sitting down and getting this process uh, at the start so you know the, the every first meeting is, uh, for me is trying to find a little more about the client because a lot of times clients don't open up to you easily and the whole point of me being able to help someone is when they open up to me and they are uh clear about what their goals are what their needs are mm. what their fears are for that matter and you know you can work around those and try to uh help them uh overcome their fears by you know putting plans in place for that contingency plans for that matter yeah and uh, at the same time plan for those goals in the future that they the aspirations they have correct um you know i have a client who said he wants to live on a boat mm. for the rest of his life once he retires sure now he has to plan for it okay. he has to make sure that his family is comfortable while yeah. he lives on a boat so these are th- these kind of 
you know anecdotes or yeah. aspirations help me in uh, putting a plan in place for the client so that he can live those dreams sure i'm going to take uh, uh, this opportunity to move from one situation to another i mean i know that you mentioned one of the clients wanted to live on a boat but for many of our uh, many of uh, no, our listeners uh, the situation at, especially when with the pandemic or whenever there's a financial crisis etc tends to come in a very sharp focus as to where their money is allocated so sometimes it's a choice between you know paying off a credit card uh, outstanding or uh, you know paying the insurance premium how do you look at and advise clients uh, to make those choices or you know how what, is there a framework that you offer or what do you suggest clients do so um debt isn't terrible uh, but it th- it's the kind of debt you have in place yep. so um if you have credit card debt if you were a client of mine for a few years you would obviously not have that anymore because that's the first debt i asked anyone to uh, pay off from the day one sure. so um yes uh, it is a tough situation but again though there are mitigates uh, you can mitigate those risks uh, you can go back to banks and renegotiate mm-hmm. we always tell our clients that don't uh, hesitate to go back to a bank and renegotiate terms of your loans correct and there are instances that we've seen where banks have been understanding and they go and they they go out of their way to help the clients there are they give deferrals to people for their uh, uh credit card payments for their loan repayments etc so the first thing is to um you know take care of that because mm. as we all know credit card debt is the most expensive form of debt in the world um so if you do not take care of so that i'm just going to stop you on that because uh, i've heard that statement uh, so many times and i do understand a little bit of it but if for our listeners if you can uh expand a little bit on that when you say the most expensive debt in the world i mean do we have any kind of numbers uh, is there any way that we can sort of quantify or give an idea to our uh, listeners and viewers what that actually sort of translates into okay so le- let me uh, let me give up uh, an example so the s&p 500 last year returned 60% yeah from the bottom uh of the in march 2020 now imagine if you had to pay 50% as your credit card debt interest now a lot of people don't understand how it's calculated it's calculated monthly uh, it's calculated on you know, your entire outstanding so even if you have a payment plan on a credit card but you're spending over and above that mm. they actually charge you interest on the entire amount so no matter which way you look at it credit card debt is the worst kind of debt to have yeah. um i mean the numbers are scary mm-hmm. so i don't want to scare anyone off in this uh, in this uh, conversation but avoid that yeah. if you have credit card debt today go to the bank and try and negotiate a personal loan which can whether the interest rate is fixed and is a much much lower scale than a credit card correct and then you can uh, you know plan for the rest of your life because you have to first survive only then you can thrive correct and if you don't have money and you keep paying every single penny that you earn as interest to banks and credit cards then you will not thrive ever because all your life it's like student debt in the united states today mm. people are taking you know 25 30 years to pay off and that is the prime years of their life correct and uh, what is the point of a life like that yeah. so if you want to live a fulfilling life at the end of the day you want to sleep peacefully at night um these are small things that can help you do that i think very very uh, valid and sound advice uh, you know uh, it's easy to fall into the credit card trap and um, the focus like you correctly mentioned i think is that 
as the first step we should look at getting out of those kind of debts that are unhealthy and um before we fo- we start a financial journey so thank you for that and um you know the flip side of that is uh, very often we hear the term that or the phrase um you know cash is king and uh, you should lo- you should have cash so that you can take advantage of the opportunities etc so last year has you know presented many of these opportunities i think we've seen uh, at the start of the pandemic the the market sort of dip and then uh, it's sort of gone up and it's uh, let's say there's some i mean uh, uh, i'm someone who's sitting on cash uh, how would you advise that i approach investing what would your sort of uh, what do i do i've got the cash but now what do i do next so the first thing is i would ask you to get in touch with me then i'll okay. tell you how to do it <laughs> but uh, on a serious note i think uh, uh, the rules don't change um whether you have cash today or you had cash yesterday or you had cash in uh, march 22nd of 2020 i would still say that you still have to allocate your assets in a manner that you can go through these crises and not have sleepless nights mm. so uh, like this you should always have some dry powder um and sure. uh, having that gives you the flexibility to allocate your money as and when markets move now the pandemic is a is a is an anomaly the market returns last year on an anomaly mm-hmm. so uh saying that you know if you had invested in march last year you would have made 60 70% returns yes that's true but it's not something that anyone predicted correct um a lot of things happened in the meanwhile central banks behaved like they've never behaved before yeah um the the vaccine development was extremely quick Mm-hmm. um the, it's a uh, it's a miracle that they've come out with a vaccine with 95% uh, efficacy in such short uh, notice and uh, those things were not something that was priced into the markets correct so you would have to be a really brave person to put all your money in march 2020 into the markets sure. even i didn't i did buy a lot of things on dips mm. um unfortunately most people don't do that mm. because uh, you know we tend to follow the herd and when yeah. uh you know warren buffet says when the market's cheaper the uh, when the market's fall it's it's like it's on sale yep. so you should buy always buy on sale on sale but people don't tend to do that people tend to believe that the markets are falling they'll keep falling I mean, or on the flip side when the markets are going up people keep buying because they they still are optimistic that the markets will keep going up correct now trading is exciting um it's fun mm. as we can we've noticed in the last few months everyone's mm. having a lot of fun in the stock markets but uh finance is a ser- serious business and uh if you want to make uh a decent amount of money in the long run reliably then you need to stay invested throughout these upturns and downturns mm. because uh, there is no uh shortcut to this i'll give you an example of tesla for that matter if in yep. 2014 if you're invested in tesla till about last year uh they would have seen a lot of fluctuations in the stock it went up it went down right. um stayed valued around you know uh w- whatever was the market capitalization didn't change much sure but in those few years their revenue went up from 2 billion dollars to 25 billion dollars and no one noticed mm. so now when the markets have noticed and they're expecting the stock to do even for better the the mar- the stock has gone up correct so if you had if you bought it in 2014 and sold out in 2016 you would be regretting that today mm. so the 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 best investors in the world have very low turnover ratios which means they don't sell out from their you know their best bets so uh, there's a fund manager called Ron Baron he his turnover ratio over the last 30 or 40 years is 4% yeah that means 
he only he 96% of the companies he still holds same. so he he bought mcdonald's when it was a small cap correct or uh, coca cola for that matter so these are companies that all small caps today become some not all i mean a few of them become large caps but if you believe sure. in a company and you believe that the company will do well you should stick to it and not uh trade every day just for entertainment absolutely i think that uh, especially if wealth accumulation is a goal i mean if Correct. if you're if you're looking at quick money and if you're looking at trading in the day that's a that's a completely different mindset Correct. and so different don't process. get me wrong i mean trading is good but trading le- requires a lot of skill to make money mm. uh the markets can uh, uh sometimes behave like casinos yeah. and uh, we know in a casino the house always wins yeah. so you don't want to be part of something like that with a lot of your money so if you if you feel the need or you if you feel trigger happy take some of your money and uh, it and this is money that you don't need yeah. yes you can invest in the uh, or trade in the markets mm. but i would advise that only if you can do your research if you can spend time on the screen only then do that otherwise you i i was on the trading floor in in the financial crisis so i've seen uh people uh, get getting washed out completely so Correct. it's a i come from that uh uh background mm-hmm. but uh, and but you know human beings have short term memory so most people don't haven't gone through these kind of crises before so from that perspective i always tell people that be careful with the money you have yeah because once you lose those in the markets uh it it's very very it can be traumatic to a certain extent yeah, which brings me to another i mean uh, as you mentioned it's very risky business and we've seen uh, some interest or i mean it has sort of exploded on social media in terms of what's happening with gamestop and uh, um i'd like to take on that i mean what do you think about gamestop and especially i mean when you look at the platform robinhood and having to inject uh, more money uh, into it and the number of people that have sort of uh, gotten into it without probably the um the background knowledge of what that means and you know if you can uh, give us some context to that sure so i mean um this is not my favorite topic but i'll <laughs> i'll still expand on it i mean uh, gamestop is definitely a game i don't want to play mm. um and that is the problem today that are you invested in gamestop the company the company that runs 5000 stores in malls selling video games yep. or are you buying a token for making money in the stock markets because you have free time and you've got some free money yeah so um if you would look at it as a company which is why how all, a lot of hedge funds looked at it it's a company that uh is losing money um they have 5000 stores in malls selling video games during a pandemic yeah now between you and me a lot of us don't buy video games at the mall anymore correct we download them from the 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 portals and uh, it's so the business model doesn't work sure. um uh, but there was a certain investor last year who got in um at uh, mid single digits mm-hmm. and he is the founder of chewy uh, the pet uh, supply right. store yep. and uh, he said he's going to turn the company around and he's been writing to the board constantly that you need to change your business model mm. now based on that uh a lot of people started believing uh, especially on reddit forums and if i am a particular person known as roaring kitty yeah. who uh, dips uh, fried chicken into champagne and uh, <laughs> on on uh, youtube but uh so he believes the the stock will do really well and everyone on that uh, reddit uh, forum believed that as well correct um so now you've taken the stock up say let's say about 800% mm. from its lows from from where it was in november yeah now as a company um my job is to give shareholder value and right. uh, 
when my stock is already up 800% and i've done nothing about changing my business plan where is the incentive for me to go into work every day and improve my business because the market's already rewarded me for that correct so i you know i mean some of it makes no sense to me um a lot of people uh, thought that this is democracy in the markets to a certain extent yes i mean you can't fault people for trading in the markets as active investors right. uh we welcome participation in the markets but um that led to a, a a strange anomaly and it's not illegal by the way yep. but what happened was is uh when uh, a lot of funds were short in the markets and the short interest was actually m- more than the amount of free float of gamestop sh- uh stocks um then what happened is people started investing in it so these are retail traders now how do they invest in it? Right. they didn't buy, go out and buy the shares yep. they bought call options Correct. So when you buy call options, the market maker who's selling you that option has to buy a certain amount, which is known as a delta. Yep. So say if, if you have a uh, a lot size of hundred shares, forty shares are bought by the market maker every time you buy an option. That's so right. as and when the stock kept going up, he had to increase his delta That's from forty right. to eighty to one hundred twenty, etc. So automatically now you've got people buying options, then uh, the hedge the hedge funds having to. Uh, cover their shorts by buying back these securities which they've of course borrowed from someone to short in the markets right. so you've got a a, a, multi, a ripple effect of re, uh, retail investors buying options market makers buying stocks uh, hedge funds having to cover the shorts and the stock kept going up it's like a vicious cycle I it's mean, a so vicious cycle yeah. and uh, i mean it, it's it's funny that you know i mean uh, a lot of people looked at it as a as something that uh, retail investors are giving it back to wall street correct uh, but at the same time it's not rational yeah. i mean we tend to forget that companies are out there to make money and we reward them for making that money by trading in this or buying by their buying shares no i think very sensible take on that uh, it is interesting because the dialogue around that has while it is sort of popularized or broadened the notion of you know uh, looking at the markets i think uh, that's probably been the positive that more people are considering and looking at uh, at stocks and investing uh, the downside is that if they've not understood it fairly well then it can lead to a loss of uh, money and loss of savings that they would have had which is unfortunate but you know i mean on the gamestop i haven't heard a single story of someone who's lost their life savings mm-hmm. so this is you have to understand that this is uh when the uh, when the fed started printing money and the government started giving out stimulus checks this is a lot of people got those stimulus checks that they probably didn't need them and they invested those in the stock markets sure. so you don't hear so many stories of people who've lost, lost their life savings in gamestop whereas because it's interesting everyone talks about gamestop uh let's take last week's uh texas freeze for example hmm. um the wholesale price yep. of uh electricity per megawatt shot up from $20 a megawatt an hour yep. to $9000 a megawatt an hour correct and a lot of people lost their life savings in that, in that. so yeah. i mean you know it's it's not as exciting a story as gamestop uh, but uh, there yeah. are things that are happening in the markets that we still don't see yeah and from a macroeconomic uh, standpoint and you know that that is probably a lot more scarier than than gamestop uh, yeah so that brings us to a, a thought that i've sort of been grappling with in in the sense that you know 2020 like you said was an was an unusual year in in some senses um have you seen a trend in investing or the way people invest has it changed has it evolved uh, you know when you're looking at working with uh, with clients and with uh, generally the markets if you're looking at trends what what are your uh, thoughts on that 
Um, so I think uh, the level of speculation in the last one year has gone up. And I get that uh, feeling because when I talk to clients, everyone wants to know about trading accounts. Mm. And everyone wants to know about Robinhood because it's free. Yeah. Now, it's, it's hard to explain to people that Robinhood is not actually free. I mean, there is no such thing as free. I mean, let's take Google for that matter. When we use Google search, Correct. we get results for free. But in return, Google makes a lot of money by using our data for targeting advertising. I mean, I mean, let's, uh, let's uh, be honest. Google is a massive company and they've mon- made money by selling the search data and using that to... Similarly, Robinhood makes money as well and it's not free. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I see that a lot, which is good. Uh, it's a good conversation to have with my clients and explain to them that how, uh, you know, trading isn't investing. They're two different asset classes, actually. Correct. Um, at the same time, we've also seen a lot of interest in ETFs, passive investing for that matter. So just hold on a minute. I mean, let's let's explore this Robinhood uh, thing because I think that's, uh, that's uh, of uh, some interest. I mean, um, while... I mean, I, I understand when you're coming from, you know, it's not free. There is a cost to it. Um, for me as, or for our viewers or listeners as an as a investor, uh, what are the risks that are there then? I mean, uh, so while I am uh, investing at a very low cost or you know, at least no obvious cost to me, but what are the pitfalls or the dangers? What do I need to look out for? Okay, so, so Robinhood um, used to have some practices which thankfully have stopped now uh, because of the intervention of the SEC there. But they used to do something where the most popular stocks on the platform would be highlighted on the app. Mm. So that means just because the volumes were high on a particular stock, it, uh, it would be highlighted. And that would that could be misconstrued to by someone uh, if the stock is up and there's a lot of open, you know, interest in it. That means the stock is good. Correct. So that's not advice. That's just uh, absolutely. That's just so uh, you know taking a market trend and trying to make something out of it. Correct. And so I, I think I get you, I get what you're saying. I mean, if someone is a new investor, someone doesn't have the sort of technical background or knowledge or the time to sort of go into and study something like that, it could easily be construed as oh, this is something that is good and I need to put my money in it. So that that's a that's a real danger there. Correct. And uh, you know. Like I said, you know, I mean, it, it, because when you have, when you put small amounts of money, it's fine. Yeah. But if you take those kind of risks with a large pot of money, that's where I think is the problem. Otherwise, if you're if you're doing with small amounts, I and I and, and I encourage my clients that if you're really interested in stock markets, yeah. go out there, put some money in trade, but trade only after you've after you've read and researched the company a little bit, and if you believe in it, go ahead and do it. But don't do it for entertainment because it could be a very, very expensive form of entertainment in my opinion. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think what, you know, these are again, news can be a lot of noise. Mm. And uh, what we've missed out in the last one year is uh, while trading has gone up in the stock markets, there's 700 billion more dollars in money market funds in the United States since pre-COVID. Yeah. So that means there's a lot of cash that is still not getting invested in the markets and is being held in money market funds. Correct. So yes, there's a lot of retail interest in trading uh, because ra- last year has been an anomaly and anything you bought pretty much went up. Correct. Um, now, e- all the beaten down value stocks are going up. So I think uh, we have to take that with a pinch of salt and know that that is not reality every year. Mm. And uh, markets go in cycles. If there's a boom, there's also a bust every now and then. So mm. as long as you're prepared for it, go ahead and trade your heart out, mm. I, I believe. Yeah. Yep. I'm just going to uh, also just... For some of our listeners who may not be as familiar or who are newer to 
you know the financial planning aspect or to sort of money market as a term uh, if you could give some insight into what would you say is a money market fund or and what are the other kinds of uh, funds or asset classes that you know investors uh, would be exposed to if they're if they're coming into uh, this side of things and what would you recommend they how do you recommend they go about learning a little more about them um i think uh, you can learn best by uh, putting your money where your mouth is as they say but okay. uh, you have to start somewhere correct and the earlier you start the better so there's a study that uh, someone did a few years back and they said if you put 1200 dollars only mm-hmm. in the stock markets say for 20 or 30 odd years um and you did nothing uh, and the s&p 500 grew at 9% per annum you would have 37000 dollars at that at the end of that period mm. now uh let's take that 1200 dollars and let's do that every year correct then you would have about half a million dollars at the end of the period mm. so there's a very old story about this washerwoman in the united states yeah in the 1908 she started working as a washerwoman and she saved every penny and invested all of it and in about after 75 odd years she donated 150000 dollars to the university of mississippi mm. now she made that money by being a washerwoman all her life and she saved up and she invested it but on the flip side her banker later said that if she had in, if someone had invested uh, introduced her to equities yeah she would have left millions and not a hundred not hundreds of thousands right so um from that perspective i think uh, there is no better way than to start investing yourself you can read all you want mm. i mean we went to university we went to college and we studied a lot yeah we studied a lot of different things but until you practice that you pretty much uh, sure. feel that you know you 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 didn't learn anything It's that more was theoretical yes. rather than actual yes so you need you need that practical hands on experience so start mm-hmm. when you've put your money there you'll automatically be interested in it and you'd want to learn more that what is happening with that money yeah and so i would assume you you would say start small and you know get the confidence gain the confidence yeah, i mean small is relative you know i mean if you're young um if you're just starting out you're 25 and you've got a decent uh, salary and you save say 30% of it yeah. invest all of it because mm. you've got nothing to lose right now you've got no commitments um you can invest the, because the earlier you invest uh and someone smart re- someone really smart said this that you know the power of compounding is the best mathematical formula that has ever been uh, absolutely uh, discovered so i think even if it is small but start there is no substitute to that and consistently i'm uh, that's the Absolutely. second part that i got from uh, the example that you mentioned about the lady she was consistently Correct. saving for you know, 75 years um, yeah and you know i mean it, it's it's tempting a lot of young people i see especially in dubai they make a lot of uh, they make good money correct but um you have to learn that you have a good life spend the money um it's always important to enjoy your life but also find that little bit to save every month mm. and invest it saving doesn't mean leaving it in the bank like i said you have an emergency fund but over and right. above that invest it whatever makes you comfortable and start small start in equities uh use funds use etfs whatever yep. makes you comfortable and uh, you can take it from there and there is like i said once you start um and you make a little money it's it's it can be a little addictive mm. and you uh it's also very very thrilling that you know it's something that you've done it's something you've created that Correct. pot of money Correct. um because we all strive to achieve something in life and these are small small victories that you know i think help make our life a little more fulfilling sure now that's that's very very true and um, you did bring in the the newer generation um the millennials and uh, many of them along with that i see a trend and a lot of interest uh, in conversations uh, not not just with that age group but with many others uh, that are surrounding bitcoin i mean 
cryptocurrency as a uh, in a sense has you know generated a lot of interest there's a lot of um, either there's a lot of talk about it probably a lot less understanding about what it is um, so what's your take on bitcoin i mean do you think that that's something that uh, is a currency first and do you think that that's something that um, people should look at uh, or who should be looking at it if at all anyone to be completely honest i don't understand bitcoin completely so i mean i don't think anyone does but uh, if you take the ftc in the us they co- they consider it a commodity mm. now like any commodity it depends on supply and demand correct um i think it's a little unfair to millennials to say that they are the only ones who are interested in no, bitcoin I, exactly exactly um, i mean i started off from there because the the conversation probably erupted a little more from that side but now we've seen it spread to everyone i mean correct uh, so i mean i get a lot of questions on bitcoin from my clients and i this is what i tell them hmm. if you have money that you don't need for the next 10 15 years sure. and you have no use for it right now yeah. take that money buy some bitcoin and hold it yeah. because none of us know where it's going to go hmm. like i said it's a commodity in my opinion and a commodity which is valued at the end of the day in us dollars so that Correct. means you will need real money to actually convert that bitcoin into something worthwhile mm. so in my opinion buy it hold it and uh, see where it goes and you know i mean if i wouldn't say put all your money in bitcoin um because at the moment there could be regulation that could make bitcoin illegal yep. um bitcoin uh, has its problems when it comes to money laundering issues because there is no uh you can't trace it that easily it's Correct. outside the the system Correct. and uh, there are there is a bill in the indian parliament which is uh, looking at uh, banning any what they call private cryptocurrencies correct so until that is clear i would stay away from spec you know uh, from investing in it but i would i wouldn't mind people speculating in it with a small sum of money sure um but you know uh, on the millennial part i think millennials are doing a something which is very interesting for us in the investment profession is their focus on uh, ESG because mm. they care about the world a lot more than uh, yeah, our generation they're actually going to come to that uh, because we we've, we've seen a whole uh, you know trend and a lot of interest go on in and be focused on the ESG sector and the, the companies that are uh, following those practices and principles so yeah please correct so i mean ESG stands for environment and social and governance so if if these three pillars are uh, are a lot of companies today are judged on these three pillars let's take the example of uh, boeing last year yep. uh, after the 737 max fiasco you realize that the governance wasn't up to standards in the in a company like that and when that happens the stock market immediately punishes a company correct and that is one of the aspects of esg so today uh, a lot of money is moving into esg esg themed funds so mm. uh, that is it has grown almost 10 times every year so sure. um i think it's a great space because listen you want to be rich yeah. you know all the all the things we do in life especially when it comes to investing is to make money and to have wealth but you don't want to be rich in a dirty polluted world right yeah. so or a, a world where the the you know the sea levels are rising and you can't go to the beach anymore Correct. so um i think from that perspective uh millennials have uh, have brought some sort of a reality check to us mm. Uh, and companies like tesla are feeding into it though i yeah. still don't believe tesla is a 100% esg compliant company because sure. uh, you can't charge a tesla without a fossil fuel uh, uh, electricity in some yeah. part so of the chain no and uh, just to sort of uh, uh, you know give a little bit of a context to that i think uh, it also is uh, from a consumer perspective it represents the companies that are uh socially responsible or you know follow the esg sort of practices and uh, principles um the 
the assumption is uh, that these would be sustainable companies because they are, they are doing good for the environment they're doing good for society they they have you know the right kind of governance that is there in so the chances of them continuing to sort of remain and sustain and uh, be profitable for the longer period of time vis-a-vis or versus someone that is not actually following the best practice or in in that uh, so i think from that perspective as well there's a there's a there's a hope that these are going to be more sustainable in the long run and therefore are good picks for uh, investing money in no at, see listen at the end of the day the company has to make money you can't be only environmental and sustainable and have great governance but you don't make any money that's True. that's also going to get punished in the long run so mm. you've got to find the right balance i think everyone still finding that balance and i commend the efforts even of you know fossil fuel companies who today are moving towards green energy so yep. i i think it's a journey um it's going to take take time but you know uh, the msci for example today has about 100 odd analysts who are measuring these metrics globally mm. so that makes these companies answerable and when they are answerable to shareholders to the markets it'll automatically you know result in good behavior correct so i think in the long run that is that is a positive for our world as a whole not absolutely. just not just financial markets absolutely I, i think i see that trend spreading to more and more companies uh, given the interest so it's it's a good sort of cycle instead of a vicious cycle it's a, it's a good cycle to see where uh, the you know investors and the stock market is rewarding companies that are sort of uh, adopting those healthy practices and because others can see that that reward is coming we've got you know the traditional companies that uh, were in the fossil fuel sector many of them who are looking at adopting different practices and principles of ESG and so it's it's definitely a good trend so i think tesla is the poster child for uh, most of these you know clean you know clean uh, sure. uh, green energy sort of companies and what that is let's not just focus on tesla but what tesla has forced others to do is look at these uh, electric cars yep. uh, evs for that matter and uh, general motors today is investing 25 billion dollars that's yep. pretty much equivalent to tesla's entire revenue mm. uh, into developing evs yep. um evs though i mean fossil fuel uh, usage is only 7% in passenger car Correct. but um that 7% uh, you know we we kind of miss the point of electric vehicles to a certain extent because we don't realize how much energy you can conserve by not having a gasoline combustion engine Correct. because say you're driving a a, a tesla yep. or any electric vehicle for that matter and uh, in a in a in a conventional vehicle you'll have to step on the brakes to stop the car hmm. in an ev you'll have just have to step off the gas and that energy that is generated by the by the car by its m- momentum yep. it can be stored and regenerated, regenerated uh, yeah. and used by the car itself so you know the momentum is is a wasted energy source today correct every time a truck drives on the road and it has to brake how much energy is being wasted so correct. so i think that helps uh, sure. tesla's other sister company called spacex is going to revolutionize insu- insulation for that matter mm. in a in a place like dubai where we use so much of the air conditioning better insulation technology will help save the energy cost which yeah. will you know help us build a cleaner world in itself so i think uh, it's it's a great space it's very exciting i i find uh, um, you know i'm i'm a i am not a big fan of elon musk but i'm a big fan of some of the things that his companies are doing sure i i, I don't think anyone can deny that uh, there are uh, a lot of uh, things that he's pushed the boundaries on and right. pushed conventional thinking on so uh, definitely he has um, that to his credit um 
we, let's get back again to the UAE. Uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of a change in the business and in the industry uh, last year with the introduction of the Board Forty Nine regulation. Um, from uh, from a financial uh, advice perspective in the UAE, how do you see that um, uh, panning out for both uh, the clients as well as for the for the for the local industry, or the profession? Um, you know, I mean, there are two aspects to this. The at the end of the day, we want uh, an an outcome that is favorable to the client and to the advisor and to the whole community as a whole. What we are trying to do is build uh, a community which is self-sustaining. And uh, if you have your financials in place, uh, you don't need to depend on anyone. Now, that is our goal. Now, when it comes to regulation, it is something that unfortunately we can't control. So I, I tell this to myself and anyone who I meet in our profession, that let's not focus on something that is uh, not in your control. What is in my control is the outcome that I provide to my client. Sure. And that doesn't change. My advice to my client doesn't change because of a regulation. Um, my The product, if it is still the right fit for the client, it will still I will still give it to the client. So I try not to focus on that. Uh, people who do... Uh, probably aren't right for the profession. So I think uh, that is good for, the again, the community as a whole, that it will keep people who are serious about helping clients in the profession, and mm. uh, it will weed out people who were in it for the short term, and, you know, they looked sure. at it more as a as a job than a profession. Correct. So I think uh, the, the message is quite clear. I mean, overall, uh, it is something that is good for the industry, uh, and for, sorry, I keep using the word industry, but for, for clients. Um, and we will see the more serious financial advisors uh, continue to work with clients. And, you know, like you mentioned, uh, the objective for any financial advisor and planner is to be able to look at uh, what suits the client's needs the best and uh, provide him the advice on that. And that, I think, will is something clients will continue to access. You know, I mean, uh, necessity is the mother of all inventions. So, you know, it will force us to innovate. It will force us to do a better job. It will force us to increase our economies of scale. I think that itself is... Uh, I, I, we we may not see the benefits in the short term in the long term i think it is it is all for the better if if you know our business is built on trust mm. and if we can uh, build on that and uh, improve the trust deficit that currently exists i think it'll end up uh, a win win for everyone including uh, advisors and clients themselves um, thank you for that and i think uh, that's a good segue segue into you know how do you go from accumulating wealth to you know to where do you go from that let's say i'm starting off on this journey i'm uh, i've accumulated a little bit of wealth and now i want to look at the next stage which is sort of getting returns or growing that um what is the journey for someone like that so i mean if, if when you say accumulated wealth i mean that could mean a lot of different things for different people i mean when i was uh, 25 if i had $5000 in my pocket i would i would think i was i'm pretty wealthy mm. but uh, you know it, again the size and the scale may change but the first thing you have to do is figure out that what you've called wealth is it enough correct and what if that wealth wasn't there what do you need to do how do you protect that mm. so you have to first preserve what you have so how do you do that is by having protection plans in place for contingencies now health is something is i think our wo- most valuable asset because that gives us an ability to generate an income correct so if i can't protect my health so 
and i don't mean by just investing in a health insurance and a critical illness insurance invest in your health eat better work out you know live a better life yeah and automatically that will make you healthier and if you have a decent uh, insurance in place for any contingencies that will take care of it but say you've accumulated wealth and you've done nothing to protect it yeah. and tomorrow you're diagnosed with a lifestyle illness that you can't ever get rid of mm. that is going to cost you a lot of money correct and so that accumulated wealth can disappear as quickly as you know in uh, quicker than you can imagine for that matter and sure. i think uh, my job first is to tell people listen you've made this wealth congratulations that's a great achievement but if you want to preserve it first work towards that mm. once you've once we've done the the job of preserving that uh, and that is like the foundation correct uh, of any financial plan then you can think about growing it sure so my you know my job is uh, 90% risk and uh, expectation management mm. uh as long as i, I can do that um i think i've done pretty much 95% of my job and then you know the rest of it uh you know you invest the returns are a function of the market correct um but you've to do it in a disciplined manner you have to use asset allocation tools by not putting all your eggs in one basket and you'll be fine correct. so i don't think the rules change is just the scale changes as in as you grow um whether in age or in wealth so sure. that's that's the difference so uh, you mentioned one uh, uh, concept or a word there asset allocation which i think is uh, very important um but i've also heard heard uh, things to the contrary for example you know should you diversify your assets uh, and why should you diversify your asset or if i would like to get good growth i should concentrate my assets on one uh, you know in one particular area which is generating the return so what 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 is your sort of view on that in terms of how do you approach it because there are merits to both and there are obviously dangers to both if you can expand a little on that so um asset allocation depends on a few things one is your the stage of life you're at um so the earlier in life the more risk you take on board the whole point of asset allocation is to manage risk now equities or stocks um have a higher risk compared to bonds right um and uh, bonds in itself have different risk categories you have a sovereign which may basically means a government bond which has the lowest risk sure and then you have the the high yields etc where you have higher risk which are these are companies that are borrowing money from the markets yeah now if you in in a buoyant market like we've seen in the last let's say 10 years because we've been in a 10 to 11 year bull market okay um diversification in risk assets so that means diversification across stocks would have made you money because the markets are constantly going up Correct. So no matter which market you invested in in 10 years you would have made money in all of them. Sure. But it is important to diversify across assets. That means you need to have stocks, you need to have bonds, you need to have commodities, you need to have other uh, assets like uh, uh real estate for mm-hmm. that matter in your portfolio and that will help mitigate uh risks because let's say for example um you know in a in a low interest environment correct um banks don't give you any returns on your deposits so sure. how do you make money so sure. do you buy uh, a reit for uh, for example which will generate uh, an income for you mm. uh, reit is a real estate investment trust uh, which is a easier way to start investing in real estate rather than having to buy a whole property correct um or do you um, you know you diversify across etfs stocks uh, bonds bond funds so there's it's 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 not static we have to understand that asset allocation changes um over a period of time so as an advisor what we tell our clients is 
let's do a review of your assets or your plans at you know every year at least twice um and then we'll allocate based on uh, any changes in the markets sure. so that is something that we try and advise our clients because asset allocation doesn't mean you allocate and you forget mm-hmm. it means you have to dynamically adjust and adapt uh, through the throughout the period uh, that they are invested correct and i think that that would apply to financial plans as well correct. so i mean you need to consistently and uh, probably at, at preset frequencies examine the plans that you've made and uh, you know review it and look at where the goals that you've set are and uh, if your progress in that direction is uh, in line with what your expectations are so i think both of them uh, you know correct. sense and, and makes makes a good approach to financial planning as a whole So Abhishek I got a call from uh, a gentleman the other day and uh, you know while we were on on the on the the topic so uh, his uh, pitch to me was you know why don't I invest in commodities and forex um to which I mentioned that you know I thought they were extremely risky assets and um we spent uh, a good few minutes uh, discussing why it wasn't he was trying to convince me that no they're not actually risky in fact they are safer than uh, equities So I'm just curious uh, as to what do you think about uh, you know forex or commodities uh, because uh, I'm sure like me many of our listeners are probably getting calls from uh, different institutions um to open forex accounts or commodity or, uh, accounts that sort of access or allow them access to trading on these platforms so uh, how do you look at them um, and how should our listeners consider and look and make those decisions So when uh, this gentleman says that uh, forex and commodities are uh, safer yep. maybe he has a fantastic understanding of them uh, and in his uh, opinion they are safer uh, I uh, don't have that understanding I think uh, forex and commodities trade even when I'm sleeping and a lot of right. factors uh, you know have to be considered when it comes to forex for example uh, geopolitical yep. uh, prices of commodities uh, you know there are things that these are things that you can't predict correct uh and uh, if you don't have a very good understanding of supply demand commodity prices etc yeah then uh, trading in these assets can be risky um the other aspect to that is uh, because these are traded in the form of uh, options or cfds correct which are uh, inherently leveraged so that means correct your yes um, on a good day your profits can be magnified but that will also magnify your losses on the downside so hmm. for someone who says that it's safer uh, maybe for that person it is but i i would encourage people to uh, make sure that they uh, are aware of what they are getting into right because uh, like i said a lot of our clients have hard earned money and uh, trading isn't uh, easy uh, yeah. you people actually do that as their day job mm-hmm. so if you're doing it as uh, something that uh, on the side mm. you should be willing to invest that kind of time and energy into educating yourself only then i would uh, recommend anyone to get into especially forex and commodities yeah because his whole uh, proposition and take was that you know equities uh, can swing from 0 uh, to you know any uh, sort of percentage when you look at the stock and my argument was like you know that's probably the 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 stocks that are not probably very good and they're getting hammered and traded in different ma- uh, manners um and his uh, argument seemed to be that commodities you you're going to just get a you know a maximum 10% uh variation um 
whether it was uh, or maximum of 20% variation from the bottom to to the to the high but uh, you could like you correctly said i mean there are many situations and scenarios ge- geopolitical or i mean oil prices we've seen has gone from and has certainly varied a lot more so uh, i would advise listeners to be cautious if you do get a call that is uh, encouraging you to sort of look at that and is trying to convince you that it is safer than equities uh, and i'm assuming that you would agree that they consult someone who has an understanding of uh, of of how this works it's with anything in life i mean you don't you don't put your money into something that you don't understand and mm. and something that you may not ever understand unless you study it mm. so um from that perspective i think uh, fx and uh, commodity trading isn't for everyone it's definitely not for me True. because i don't have the bandwidth to study all of these things interest rates etc these are aspects that take a, a lot of deep understanding to be able to take advantage of them so correct be cautious with your money because it's your hard earned money uh, but uh, if you want to try it do it uh, on a small scale and start small and give it time and take the effort to learn about it before you put your money into it yeah i think that um, also that that aspect of discipline is important because sometimes it's easy to get carried away a quick small win so need uh, you need to be disciplined you need to be sensible about things don't overexpose yourself uh, to these kind of risky assets is what i would suggest correct i mean that's what they, again i mean these are basic facts of life that you have to keep in mind i mean you could go to vegas and have a great day at the casino <laughs> and you could lose everything the next day so markets can sometimes uh, behave like that so sure. um it's it's important that your uh, uh your judgment when it comes to uh, your money is uh, based on your deep understanding of it rather than what you read in the news or what your friend tells you over a conversation so these are uh, delicate matters and it could uh, ruin lives and relationships if you uh, let your uh, heart rule over your sure. mind so well, thank you for that and i got one last question for you uh, for this episode uh, with regard to the markets uh do you think we are heading into a bubble or is there a bubble that we are currently in um and you know if uh, your answer is yes or no uh, why and what do we uh, advise our listeners to sort of uh, approach uh, their investments in this time so there there is something that you know i go back to in in 1996 alan greenspan made his first most famous speech of irrational exuberance mm. but it took another 4 years for the bubble to burst uh, the dot com crash and uh, i think in today's day also there are bubbles um and the reason i say that is because honestly 80% of companies that start fail at the end of the day sure uh when i was uh, when i just got my first personal computer this was the late 90s i used to use uh, various search engines alta right. vista ask jeeves etc which most people today wouldn't have heard of but uh you know google came along and google survived Correct. because they did a great job of uh, building a search engine so 80% of companies will fail mm. so that means those 80% of companies at some point or the other are a bubble mm. um but there are those 20% that that turn out to be winners and those winners take care of any losses that you make sure. and that brings us back to diversification mm. so i'll give you two examples of bubbles now or the perception of bubbles now amazon a few years back yep. uh, a lot of people said this company doesn't make a lot of money so this is definitely a bubble 
but at the same time if you looked at amazon they were growing yep. constantly without funding that growth with expensive borrowings that's right yep. so whereas uh, in december i think there was a company called there is a company called quantumscape that makes uh, lithium batteries um their forecast is that in 2028 they'll probably make a billion dollars in revenue hmm. the december valuation was 80 times that billion dollars wow okay so is that a bubble maybe but i don't know but in my perception yes that could be considered a bubble so um bubbles are always going to be around whether it's a good market bad market but as long as you're diversified you're investing in companies that you believe will grow and have a business model that can sustain growth yeah um you will uh i mean you will survive and uh, you will make money in the markets Brilliant. I think that's the perfect way to sort of end uh, this episode. Thank you so much Abhishek for uh, being with us today and giving uh, an insight into the the markets and I think we've had a very broad and engaging uh, discussion on various topics uh on finance, on investing, on wealth um and your insight has definitely been helpful. Um if some of our listeners want to get in touch with you if there's they have questions uh, do give a, a a sense of how they can reach you and what are the uh, the channels that you're on if they want to learn more from you So I'm uh, I'm available on LinkedIn um you can search me by my name Abhishek Datta that's D A T T A um I am also available on uh, uh Instagram and Facebook I have a page called the Smart Alpha you can check it out there's a lot of updates on that uh, on what I believe uh are important things that you should keep in mind uh uh if you want to make some money in, by investing in uh, thank you for that and thank you for joining in and if you'd like to support the podcast i'd encourage you to uh look us up on the main leading podcast channels we would be on spotify itunes um and uh, you would be able to find us on youtube on our youtube channel as well uh do leave a like uh do give us a review and a rating so that we can gain uh, uh more listeners and if you that's if you like the content uh, and if you don't like the content do give us your suggestions as to how we can improve um that's it from us for this episode we will be back with our episode on women and finance uh, which is going to cover a lot about the different needs that women have compared to um, their male counterparts when it comes down to finance when it comes down to financial planning and how do they look at and talk about and discuss these things not just with uh, with their uh, with their with their counterparts with their spouses and their family but also with the advisors that they may be interacting with uh thank you very much and hope to see you again soon